All right. I want you to notice verse 1 of Psalms 22. It says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now, does that verse ring a bell with anybody in here? What do you all think of when you hear that verse right there? Jesus on the cross. He said those very words, didn't he? Look at verse 6. It says, But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Now, what do you all think of when you hear that passage right there? We think of Jesus on the cross. We think of the scribes and the Pharisees saying those very words, If thou be the Christ, save thyself. We see them doing that very thing. We see them laughing him to scorn. We see in verse 14, uh, 13, They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Yeah, I'm poured out like water. Remember when they put that spear through his side and out of his blood, out of his side, or blood and water? I mean, this passage is amazing just how prophetic it is and how accurate it was. And so um, notice in verse uh, 17, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Okay? Now, I want you to think about that passage. Remember, this is a psalm here too, okay? This is a song. So this is a passage that really you would think any Jew during Jesus' day would have known this passage of Scripture right here. This is one they literally sang. But you know who especially should have known this passage back in those days? And that is a scribe, okay? The scribes. Okay, now what is a scribe? A scribe is a writer and a transcriber of the law. Okay, basically a writer. This is the guy who copies the scriptures, the one who writes it down. They didn't have the typewriters and the printing presses and computers and all these things like we have today. I mean, it's amazing today how we can all just immediately download a copy of the scriptures right into our cell phones. But back in the day, you had to handwrite all of it. That was what they had to do. And that's one of the reasons, too, I get it. We don't see him passing out gospel tracts, you know, in the book of Acts, because that wouldn't have been an easy thing to do. We see him going around preaching. I guarantee you they would have loved to have had scriptures and Bibles to hand out to people. They would have loved to have something like that, but they just didn't have it, okay? And so, uh, you know, that's something you got to keep in mind. But so because of that, because of the fact that not everybody had scriptures they could get to, who do you think back then would have known the scriptures best? I mean, the scribes, right? These are the ones that were, there, it was their job to preserve these scriptures. They, they were the ones that copied these things. They were the ones who were entrusted with preserving the law of God. And so uh, they, were the, they were also the main authority when it came to knowing what it was. So, you know, nowadays, if we want to know, hey, what does the Bible say about something? I mean, a lot of us already know what it is because we know the Bible that well because we have this copy of the Scripture because we read it all the time. But even if we don't know it, you know what we can do? We can go to Esort and we can like look up a Scripture. We can look, use a concordance. We have something like that. Back in those days, they didn't have any of those tools. So you know what they had? They had the scribes. And in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. This is when the wise men came and said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And it says, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them 
where Christ should be born. So when Herod wants to know where the Messiah is supposed to be born, who does he call? He calls the scribes. Because these are the guys that would know it. They're the ones that are in charge of the scriptures and copying them, preserving them, and knowing what they say. You know, today, whenever, you know, there's people out there, I'm sure there, there are, I don't know who they are, I don't know what their job role is, but, you know, it's kind of their job to know what the laws are. Okay, judges, for example, they're kind of a part of that, but they don't always know what the law says off the top of their head. So whenever a case is brought before them, it is their job, though, to make judgments on that law. But a lot of times what they'll have to do is they'll have to kind of, you know, give themselves some time so they can go and review what the law says. Now, what they go to all the time, I don't know. I don't know if they have someone, hey, look, or, you know, look up this law, find out what the law is in this, so I can go read it, find out what it says, and then I can make a judgment. Well, back then, what they would do if a king had to make a judgment or something, or a judge had to make a judgment, they can go to those scribes and say, hey, what does the law say? And then that scribe was supposed to know. That's how well these people were supposed to know the scriptures. They were somebody that the people counted on but think about this so they weren't necessarily the judges but they were the ones the judge would call on if they had a question about what the law says and it was a scribe that would tell them so notice the first time they're mentioned in the new testament how they got the biblical fact correct about where the messiah would be born yet at the same time who was it to figure it out first that it was the messiah jesus was the messiah it was the wise men from the east wasn't it and they were the ones that were ready. The scribes weren't there, were they? They missed a major prophetic event, didn't they? Even though they accurately answered the trivia question, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And the most amazing thing to me about the scribes is they were literally present for the most important prophetic event ever, and they didn't even realize it. In fact, when we look at the scriptures, they were literally, the scribes, the guys in charge of copying the law, were literally fulfilling prophecy themselves, but as the villains. They were on the wrong side of things. Look what it says in Matthew 27, 41. It says, likewise also the chief priests mocking him, and the scribes and the elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if you will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Now you would think that when the scribes are doing this right here, while they're saying these very words, that they would have remembered Psalms chapter 22. I mean, these guys should know it better than anybody. Folks, songs are one of the best things that I, you know, help me remember things. Put it to a song, and I'll remember it. Say a line, and I'll sing a song. Say a word, and I've got a song for it. I mean, Constantly in my life, signs, words, phrases, trigger songs. You can just ask my family. I break out the song all the time. It's just, it's just what I do. And I'd like to think if I was a scribe standing there and I heard one of my fellow scribes saying these words, I'd like to think that I would have triggered a song in my heart, in my head, and I'd been like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you hear what you just said? Do you remember that song we've been singing, Psalms chapter 22? Hey, remember that? Look what the Romans are doing. They're casting lots on his vesture. His bones are out of joint. His, do you see what came out of his side? Blood and water. This is, everything here is in the Psalm 22. 
that you and I were just writing out the other day. But you know what? They missed it, didn't they? They missed it as well as these guys knew the scriptures. They still did not see the truth. They did not even realize what they were present for. I mean, it's just an amazing thing to think about. It says in Matthew 27, 46, at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'd like to think that if I was there, if I would have been a scribe during that day, maybe I'd have been out of line for a while. But after I saw all those things going on, I've been like, you know, this is reminding me of Psalms chapter 22. And then all of a sudden, as I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of putting two and two together. If I hear Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'd have, that's it. This is Psalms 22. This is being fulfilled. And not only that, I am fulfilling prophecy myself, but I'm the villain. And I would like to think that if that happened to me, I would have fallen on my face right there at the cross, and I would have begged for mercy. That's what I like to think that I would have done if I'd have been there. But the truth is, you know, these guys, they missed it. People who had the most Bible knowledge, who could answer the most questions, who knew all the trivia, who had all the memorization, they missed the point of the very words that they were in charge of. So the point of this message, though, is not to tell you that it's okay to be lazy on your scripture. I believe that we ought to try to learn as much as we can. I think every Christian ought to have a goal to be as good at Bible trivia as they possibly can be, to read through the Bible as much as they can, to memorize as much of the scriptures as we can. We ought to have a desire to do that. But understand, just because you've got a whole bunch of head knowledge about the scriptures doesn't mean you understand it. It doesn't mean you get it. And it doesn't mean it's doing you any good at all. And what I've titled this message today is Modern Day Scribes. And, and the reason I call it Modern Day Scribes, I'm not talking about a scribe of today, but we often talk about modern day Pharisees, don't we? And we all know what a Pharisee is. But think about this. A Pharisee, in reality... Back in the Bible days, it wasn't what it is today. Today, a hypocrite is basically what we would call a Pharisee, isn't it? But that wasn't really the role back then. However, the Pharisees in Jesus' day were all a bunch of hypocrites, weren't they? And so whenever we see that person that just thinks they're this great and wonderful Christian, but are really sorry Christians, that loves to talk about themselves and do all the things that the Pharisees did, we call them Pharisees, Okay? And so to, I think there's people out there today that we should probably call scribes in the same way we call people Pharisees. Okay, now, I'm not looking for a new name to start calling people, but I want to make sure that none of us are this, that we don't be this way, where obviously we're not in charge of copying the scriptures and things like that. But if we're not careful, we can be like the scribes where we've got a whole bunch of head knowledge when it comes to what the Bible says, but yet we don't get it. Yet it doesn't do us a bit of good. In fact, we can have a whole bunch of scripture memorized and still be on the wrong side of a doctrine, of a, a dispute, and a situation. And we don't want to be that way. And so, you know, we need to find out what will help us understand the word of God because, you know, so again, the key is not who has the most knowledge. Okay, Because think about this. If we would have had a scriptural debate that day between any of the scribes and the thief on the cross, who do we think would have won the debate? 
The scribes would have won the debate. They would have slaughtered that thief on the cross. But guess who went to heaven? The thief on the cross. Guess who went to hell? The scribes. I mean, who do we think would have won a scriptural debate between the scribes and the Pharisees and, let's say, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears? Who do we think would have won that debate? When they started discussing the law and bringing up the facts of the law, I guarantee you the Pharisees knew a whole lot more than that woman did, but that woman knew something about forgiveness. She knew something about just faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? All that knowledge they had didn't do them a bit of good. In fact, all it did is it got them puffed up. And they ended up dying and going to hell. While this woman, who probably didn't know much at all, she went to heaven. We've got the Ethiopian eunuch that all he has is a portion of Isaiah in the book of Acts that he's reading, trying to understand. But yet when the gospel was preached to him, he received it immediately. While the Pharisees that knew way more, that had all of that Old Testament scripture, that could have quoted more than that Ethiopian ever read, they never got saved. And I, I, I think it's sad today just how much Bible knowledge is right there at our feet and at our disposal, yet at the same time, a lot of people have it, yet it doesn't do them any good. And if you are somebody today that has a whole bunch of Bible knowledge, but yet you don't know how to apply it, it doesn't help you be a good Christian, then you are a modern-day scribe. And Jesus is constantly yelling at the scribes. Most of them, it's scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. Okay? The scribes were just like, the Pharisees in many ways. So what are some things that will help us understand the word of God? Because these are the things that we ought to be seeking after because I don't want to just be able to win the trivia contest. I don't want to just get to the point where I can just beat James White in a debate. Okay? I, that's not what I'm interested in. Okay? There's a lot of wicked heretics that could school a lot of people in a debate and those people are going to go to hell because they don't understand the gospel. So we don't want to be that way. And so the first thing, of course, and this is a simple one I think we all know, you need to be saved. You need to be saved. Look what it says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Now who's talking here? It's a scribe. Okay? A scribe comes to Jesus with a trivia question. Chances are this scribe was probably the one who won all the trivia contests. He's like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go see if Jesus can answer this question. And so he goes and asks him a factual question, which is the first commandment of all. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master... Thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbors himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask him any question. So notice, Jesus goes and he turns around and he asks him a question, and this guy gets it right. He answers correctly, but yet he still wasn't there, was he? He said, thou art far from the kingdom of God. And after that, nobody wanted to ask him any questions anymore. His great ability in Bible trivia did not do him any, any good. And so look what it says in John 10, verse 24. It says, and the, then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, 
How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus said to them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Now that's not the kind of response that someone should get when talking about how I give unto them eternal life. He's talking about free salvation right here. And then these guys, they hear him say, I and my Father are one. They get mad and they're ready to stone him. And Jesus said, you know why you don't hear me? In other words, you don't understand me? Because you're not my sheep. These people were not of faith. These people believed their works and they believed in their own righteousness. And so when Jesus is saying these things, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And the thing is, if you won't believe the most basic teaching of salvation, why would you understand anything else? I mean, really, what's the point? What is the point of knowing all the Bible trivia if you're not even saved? You're not even going to go to heaven. Bible knowledge doesn't make you go to heaven. Listen, even James White would agree that many of these scribes and Pharisees that knew the law frontward and backwards were not saved because they didn't have faith. And yet there's so many people like him, they think because they're educated, because they're smart and articulate, and, they know, and they're slick with their words, and they know how to trip people up because they can win debates, they think somehow that they're superior and that their message is superior. But it's not. Salvation is a very simple message. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's no works. And your works don't even prove you're saved. And yet some people cannot see that. They just cannot accept free gift. And then they wonder why they just can't understand certain things in the Bible. If you're not saved, there's no reason for the Holy Spirit to even give you that understanding. There's a lot more scripture we could talk about that, but I think everybody knows here that you know you need to be saved to have a proper understanding of the scripture. And so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but here's something that I think applies to saved people that can help us. You also have to be willing to listen. Look what it says in Matthew 11 in verse 13. It says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We see Jesus say, make that statement a lot. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. This is not excluding the deaf people. This is excluding those who just aren't willing to listen. See, there are people out there. That sometimes they'll ask you questions, but they have no desire for you to give them the answer. They're not going to listen to what you say. You know, Pastor Tommy, you know, uh, I, I need your advice. And they'll, they'll go through the motions of asking for your advice. They have no intention of listening to it. You know, or, or, it, or it's like these people that try to get you to debate them online. That just They go on YouTube and they ask you these, you know, questions trying to set you up. These people have no desire to learn what I have to say. They have a desire to argue. They're not willing to listen. They're not willing to hear, hear you out. And so it's best just to ignore people like that, you know, and not even, not even get involved. But the truth is, if you're not willing to listen, why would the Lord help you? There's a lot of people out there, they act like, I want to understand the scriptures. I want to understand what the Bible says. But the problem is, they're not going to listen if the Lord does reveal it to them. So why would he reveal it to you? If you don't have a willing heart, the Lord is not going to show you anything. The Holy Spirit is not going to guide you into all truth. He's not going to reveal the secrets of the kingdom to you if you're just going to go and reject them. 
So you need to understand that if you're going to have a real understanding of the scriptures, then you better be willing to do whatever it says to do. And let me tell you something. If you really do have that attitude, I believe the Lord will open the scriptures up to you like never before. But I also believe he will rock your world. He will change your life. If you actually go to the scriptures willing to do whatever he says to do, you better believe he's going to start showing you some things. But a lot of people aren't getting anything because they're not willing to listen. A lot of people come to church and they'll hear good preaching and I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, you know why you're not getting anything out of it is because they're not listening to any of it. Well, I heard everything you said. Yeah, but you're not willing to change your life. You're not willing to get, get things right. You know, and, and I, don't, I hate this attitude of, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not as hardcore against these things as a lot of people are. But, like, for example, you know, lot, uh, you know, when it comes to, like, altar calls and everything, why do we preach and then, like, act like it's, now it's time to decide if you're going to go along with this? Why are we even the decision? I mean, shouldn't it be if it's the Word of God, we're doing it? I mean, why do we got to go through some formality of making a decision about whether or not we're going to follow it? To me, if an altar call was going to be done biblically, they would do it before the service, before the sermon. Because think about it. Why, if, if you're just out there, you know, listening, right, I'm going to hear what the Bible has to say, and then I'm going to decide if I'm going to listen to it. Why would the Holy Spirit show you anything? You're supposed to decide, I'm going to listen, and then you hear the preaching, and then the Lord reveals it to you. The decision should already be made. So the truth is, if we're going to start having altar calls, we need to do it before preaching starts. And then what everybody needs to do, all those of you that are going to listen to what the Word of God says, you know, you all need to come, get your heart right, and make a commitment, and then hang on, because then preaching's going to start, and who knows what you're going to hear. And, you know, we're not going to do that. But just understand, that should be your attitude. Your attitude ought to be when you come to church, hey, if I learn something from the Scriptures that I'm doing wrong or that, I'm not, or, you know, that I need to change, I need to fix my life, I'm going to do it. It's not up for debate. It's not up. We're not going to make a decision after the service. We made a decision before the service. And if you make a decision before the service, then I'm going to do whatever the Lord teaches me in the service today. I think you might learn a few things. He might show you some stuff that I don't even bring up. He might point something out to you in the scriptures that's not even in my notes that I don't even talk about because he sees somebody out there that's ready to learn, somebody that's got ears willing, you know, that are ready to hear. He's going to show you some things. So you need to be willing to listen when you hear preaching. It doesn't mean you're willing to hear God out and then decide if you will obey. It means you're going to obey no matter what you hear. That needs to be your attitude. And so, so we have... I think we got these things backwards. So the scribes, they had the right facts about Elias, but they didn't have the will to listen to the message. Remember in Matthew 17, 10, it says, And the disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? Okay, Because they were a little confused because Jesus is there claiming to be the Messiah, and the scribes in their teaching always said, Hey, Elias is going to come before the Messiah comes. Okay? It's kind of like today, you know, you have the debate about whether the rapture comes before or after the tribulation. And so, you know, if you were in a pre-trib church and all of a sudden a preacher gets up and is like, hey, it's 2020, the tribulation has started and makes a really good case for it. You know, a lot of those people are like, wait a minute, I thought Jesus was supposed to come first. 
and then the tribulation, right? Because that's what the that's what the theologians have been saying. And so the theologians back in this day were saying Elias is going to come back, and then the Messiah is going to come. And you know what Jesus said when the disciples asked him about that? Hey, they got that fact right. The scribes were right. The scribes were right that Elias comes before the Messiah. But guess what they did to Elias when he showed up? Because Jesus revealed it was John the Baptist. They killed him, didn't they? The guys who got their facts right about what comes first, Elias and the Messiah, killed Elias. And then they killed Jesus too. Think about that for a minute. All that Bible knowledge, and yet they, again, are the villains in the prophecy. Isn't that amazing? So just understand, just because you've got a bunch of facts in your head, you know, you've listened to a lot of good preaching and seen some good sermon clips and watched some good documentaries and read some good books, and you're just ready to go to town with anybody in a debate, it doesn't mean you're a good Christian. It doesn't mean you know how to apply it. And it doesn't even mean you're going to be on the right side of things when it all goes down. You know what we're going to find out when the tribulation comes around? That a lot of people who believe we're going to be here for the tribulation are going to flop out and fail in the tribulation. Why is that? Because they got the fact right, but they don't get the spirit of anything. They, 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 you know, they just learned a fact but it did nothing to their heart. Therefore, it didn't do them any good. So we've got to make sure we aren't that way, that we are willing to listen. Because see, that was the Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees' problem. When Jesus was preaching to them, they had already decided we don't want to listen to him. They listened to him looking for something that he could say that they could use against him. And so because of that, of that attitude, they, they didn't learn anything. So you have to be willing to listen. So... You need to be saved, you got to be willing to listen. Also, you must recognize the authority of the Scripture. Look what it says in Matthew 7, 28. Because I, you know, I know how you all feel. All right? I've been the church member, been the one listening to the preaching a lot. You know, that sounds kind of weird. So you're saying we should have an altar call before the service, and I'm going to, I'm committing to listen to whatever you say. Well, you, know, you don't listen to whatever I say, but you should listen to whatever the Scripture says. Okay? I, think, I, think we all, I think we all understand that. But at the same time, because it's often a man showing you the Scripture, it makes it real easy for us to just act like we didn't notice it and act like we didn't hear it and act like you know, it's not in charge over us. But we've got to understand the Scriptures are the ultimate authority, and we can't be rebelling at it. And it says... In Matthew 7, 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Okay? Now, so notice this. You know, the scribes, they obviously didn't teach with authority. Jesus, it, when he's preaching these words, he's saying it like he is the boss. That's pretty much what he's doing. He's saying, now, now why is he doing that? Is he, now, Jesus is the boss. Okay. Understand that Jesus is the boss, but really any of us, if we're preaching Bible, we can preach like we're the boss. You realize we didn't pay for salvation, did we? Did any of us in here pay for salvation? No. But yet we go to people every day, every week, and we tell them, if you will call on the Lord for salvation, if you will believe on him, you're going to heaven. And we say it like there's no doubt about it, don't we? At least that's how you should be saying it. We tell people, hey, you can now know that you're saved. 
Where do we get that authority? You know, are we a priest? You know, have, have we been ordained? What gives us that right and that authority? It's the scriptures that give us that authority. And we will go out there and we, can, we tell people. Now, you can know you're on your way to heaven. Or we sometimes tell people, you're on your way to hell. Who are you? I'm nobody, but the scripture is everything. And it says, if you don't believe on him, that you are condemned. So we, you know, we, we have a lot of authority in what we say. But the scribes, they weren't like that. You know why? Because they didn't follow the scriptures. They knew what the facts of what it said, yet we see Jesus constantly rebuking them for not obeying those things, for making those laws void by their traditions. They didn't follow these things like they acted like they did. And one thing we've got to understand is the scriptures aren't up for debate. That's all there is to it. There's just some things we don't debate. Okay? We don't debate with the Calvinists because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Why, why would we debate that? There's no reason to debate that. The scripture is just way too clear on that. There's some things we might be able to you know, have a conversation about, but there's some things there's, a, there's no conversation that needs to be had. Okay? It's just it's that simple. Okay? There, you know, when it comes to salvation being of, you know, by faith or of works, there's no debate on that. It's just spelled out too plainly. And when we start debating these things, you know what always happens is we're always supposed to, you know, respect the other side. Okay? Whenever you watch a debate, you know, between a supposed Bible believer and a Calvinist or something, you never hear that Bible believer call the one a heretic and call him unsaved and call him a devil or anything like that because that's just not dignified. That's not what you're supposed to do. But that's the facts. That's what, that's what it is. And the truth is, we don't even need to have a debate about that. I don't need to dignify the possibility that they could even be right when it's just too clear in the scriptures that they're dead wrong. All it is, it's just a bunch of vain jangling at that point. So we're not going to debate these things. The scriptures aren't something that we look at and then decide whether or not to apply it to our life. If the scripture says we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to do it. You know, there's no debate. There's no, well, you know, I'm just not completely convinced yet. No, you're in sin. That's all there is to it. You're in sin. You need to get right with God. There's no debate on these things. The, script, you know, the, the scriptures aren't something that you just selectively use to fulfill your will. Look what it says in Matthew 4. Now, a lot of people are really good at this, at getting real good at just kind of picking and choosing whatever scriptures they like to advance their agenda. It says in Matthew 4, verse um, 3, it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered, Jesus here speaking, and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. When the devil tried to tempt Jesus, what did Jesus do? He went to the Scriptures, didn't he? So look what the devil does. Then the devil taketh them up into the holy city and setteth them on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Guess what? The devil just used some scripture too, didn't he? The devil just quoted scripture at Jesus. What's he trying to do? Trying to get him to fulfill his will. And you know what? That scripture was in the Bible. That was also in Psalms. But yet... He was misusing it, wasn't he? He was misusing it to advance his agenda 
And you know what? If you know enough scripture, you can always find a scripture to go along with what you're wanting to do. You know, if I'm being mean to somebody, if I'm mocking somebody, if I'm making fun of somebody and somebody calls me out for it, you know, hey, God's going to mock, says in Proverbs chapter 1. And so now, you know, I'm, you know, making fun of, you know, I don't, I don't want to name anything because then I'm going to be politically incorrect. Yeah, boneless wings. <laughs> These boneless wing eaters. <laughs> we're, making, we're making fun of them, you know, and calling them all kinds of names. Now, is, you know, is that really appropriate? Okay, now I'm not saying we can't have some fun with our friends, okay? But at the same time, you know, when we're really mocking somebody and just being cruel to people, and let me tell you something, folks, Facebook is a very cruel place. It is a cruel, ugly place, and I have just watched people get ripped to shreds on there. It is very off-putting. I'm not following too many people anymore because I'm just I'm fed up with it. But you can't. You call these people out. Hey, you know, you don't need to be mocking that guy, you know, with a mental disability, you know. And and what they'll then go to scripture, show them where Jesus mocked, show them where the you know Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. Okay. Listen, I, I get it. There are examples of that, but do you really think that because, you know, Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal that you get to mock, you know, this mentally disabled person? Really? You think that's appropriate? You know, name calling. Okay? I get it. There's some name calling going on in the Bible. We see Jesus call some names. We see John the Baptist call some names. But does that mean I can just go find an old lady on the street and just call her an old battle axe and an old bag? And just start calling her names? No. So that these people will do that. They will literally use those scriptures to justify horrible behavior. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how people do that? And then all of a sudden, you know, these modern day scribes, they've forgotten all these verses about being kind one to another. They've forgotten all those things about being tenderhearted, forgiving. They've forgotten all those scriptures. You know, they conveniently know which ones they need to bring up at the time they need to bring them up. Like a scribe, they can recall those scriptures. I mean, man, they'll start hitting you with those verses. But they're misusing all of them. Okay? And they they have, there's the Holy Spirit clearly is not guiding these people. It's a horrible thing to watch, and it's a disgusting thing. And you know what? Even the devil did that type of thing. He used the scriptures trying to tempt Jesus. And, you know, I could do the same thing, too. Hey, listen, I want you to be a, just a dirty bully like I am. And so I want you to go calling people names with me so I don't look like the only jerk out there. And then what I can do, I start hitting you with scriptures about, you know, godly people calling bad people names. You know, that, that's a very self-serving thing, isn't it? That's not, that's not right, yet it happens every day. But you know what Jesus did after the devil quoted that scripture? Jesus just hit him with another scripture, didn't he? He hit him with another scripture and says, Thus it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so we've got to understand that we the scriptures are the authority in these things, and we don't just selectively choose which ones we like to fulfill our own will. If that's what you're going to do, if that's why you're learning the scriptures, so you can do that type of thing. You know what? The Lord's not going to show you stuff. The Lord's not going to reveal you. You know what? If you're a preacher and that's the type of thing you do, your preaching is going to be trash. Your preaching is going to fail. You're not going to help anybody in your church. You're going to be forced to resort to clickbait titles to get any attention at all. That's what's going to happen 
if, that, if that's what you do, you get called out for being wicked, and then your go-to is, I'm going to start studying the Scriptures and find a precedent for why I behave the way I did. I know I shouldn't have tripped that old lady in the cane walking down the street, but you know what? I mean, I, I'm sure there's something in the Scriptures I can find. She was probably a reprobate. You know, I don't, but, so therefore, it was okay. You know, and if that's what you're doing, your preaching is going to, I'm an old eye be it, stink. Bad. And you need to get your heart right, and then maybe the Lord will start actually teaching you something. The Lord will actually give you something that will be a help to your people, and your people actually be victorious Christians, actually be spiritual people, actually be Christ-like. And not just Christ-like when he was calling names and running people out of the temple with a whip. Most of us don't get that stuff right, the anger stuff. Okay? Yeah, there's a way to do it, but most of us usually get that part wrong. So we need to understand that if, but if that's what you're going to do, if that's what you're here to do, if that's what you're here to learn, you're not going to get much from the Scriptures. I mean, you might get a bunch of facts. You might find, you might come up with a verse I can't think of, for why it's okay to trip an old lady in a cane, but you know what? You have not helped yourself, and you have not helped anybody else. But yeah, you've got, you got knowledge. I'll give that to you. The scribes had a lot of Bible knowledge, but it didn't do them a bit of good. They were the villains in these stories. The stories that they used to write down, they were the villains that they were writing about while thinking they're the good guys the whole time. So the last thing we see in order to be able to understand the Scriptures right and not be like those modern-day scribes, you need to let the Scriptures clean you up before you can successfully clean up other people. Okay? Now, we're not going to go through all of Matthew chapter 23. We don't have time. But seven times we see Jesus say, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And then he would proceed to talk about something that they do good, but at the same time, they've got this bad thing going on. It kind of cancels it out. So it wasn't any good. Seven times he said that to them. And so something a scribe who actually understands the Bible like they should. Okay? I get it. I mean, you might know the law so well, you can go find anybody out there, watch them for five minutes, and come up with ten scriptures that they violated. Okay? Congratulations. You know, you might be, if you're able to do that, that is an impressive ability to know that much scripture, to be able to recall the verses and the scripture references for everything they did wrong. I mean, you're like Barney Fife. When any, you go jaywalk and he's able to, you know, you broke, you know, you know, whatever. And he'll give that article and that, these numbers, section B and all that. I mean, you might be able to do that kind of thing with the scriptures. But you know, you can be that way and still be a sorry Christian. Because here's the thing that we, learn, we know from the scriptures. is a scribe who actually understood the Bible in the way they were supposed to understand it. Okay? Getting the spiritual message. Getting the things that they actually needed to make them a successful Christian, not people who just had a ton of knowledge and were the villains in the story, even though they knew more Bible than anybody, but a scribe who actually understood the Bible like they should would be too busy dealing with themselves and being thankful for God's grace where they wouldn't be very interested in hitting other people over the head with the facts. You know why? Because the truth is, if we actually understood the Scriptures like we're supposed to, we would see ourselves as so sorry that every time we're hitting somebody over the head with this, a wrong that they're doing, we would realize how, you know what, we're guilty of that too. Because that's what Jesus was constantly doing with the Pharisees. Hey, 
you're doing the same thing that you're accusing these people of. Here you are. You're the ones making a big deal about these things, and you don't even realize you're violating the law yourself. In fact, you've made void the law through your traditions, he often told them. And so the thing is, if we actually understood the scriptures the way we were supposed to understand them, you know what? We're going we're gonna to be like the publican saying, Lord, have mercy to me, a sinner. But the Pharisee, I mean, who do you think would have won the debate between the Pharisee and the publican? Who do you think would have won that debate? Who do you think would have looked better in an argument between a Pharisee and a publican? The Pharisee would have cleaned his clock. The Pharisee could have got up and he could have talked about all of his accomplishments, all of his degrees, all of his learning. He could have got up and talked about all of his good works. He, he did talk about all those things when he was praying. He could have done all that stuff. He could have recited scripture. I mean, he could have just ran circles around that guy. But guess who left saved and guess who left lost? The publican was saved. The Pharisee was lost. And he, the, the publican actually got what he was supposed to get. That publican somewhere, he, he hears the law. He sees the scriptures. He's looking at these things. And when he goes into the temple, he doesn't think, man, I have nailed this stuff. I'm clean. I'm ready to go. He didn't go in there bragging on himself like the Pharisee did. He's smiting his breast. He is in conviction. He's weeping, saying, Lord, have mercy to me, a sinner. That's, he got the message with less knowledge. And so don't think that this message is encouraging you to not have knowledge. I'm not, I'm not encouraging stupidity and simplicity and all that. We ought to do the very best we can. But you know what? You might not be the most intelligent person in the world. You might not have the brightest mind. You might not be the best at just recalling Scripture to mind. But you know what? If you have your heart right, you know you can understand the Scripture better than any of us. I mean, you can understand the Scriptures better than the most proclaimed theologians that are out there. I mean, the king of debates that are out there. While they could clean your clock, you actually know the secrets. You actually get it. It's actually helping you. It's actually doing something in your life. You're actually being a help to other people with just that little bit that you know because your heart's right. You're actually saved. You're willing to listen. You're willing to learn. You understand the authority of the scriptures. And you are letting the scriptures clean you up before you go cleaning up other people. And that's what we see, you know, Jesus talked about that very thing. You know, hey, you need to clean yourself up. You know, you need to get the beam out of your own eye before you go trying to get the moat out of your brother's eye. That's what Jesus taught, and, but the Pharisees didn't get it. But we always see the common people, you know, they would hear him gladly. You know, those publicans and the harlots, they would hear that message, and they were thrilled. They received it. Pharisees and scribes, they couldn't get it. And so... Uh, so everyone, know, we, I think we all know what a Pharisee is, but we don't talk about, I don't think we talk about the scribes enough, because these are the people who know the word better than anybody, but yet they cannot seem to understand it for the life of them. And, and that's a sad thing. And, it's, and so I don't want to be that way. I, I, I want to know Scripture. I want to have Scripture memorized. You know, ever since I was a kid, I loved the Bible trivia. I like, uh, you know, my wife likes to talk about how arrogant I was in teen class, answering all the questions and then, you know, and not try, even trying to be humble about it. Okay? You know, that's how, that's how I was as a teenager. You know, but 
I do. I want to know all these things. I love when I get a really tough question and I got the answer right there and I look smart. Okay, every once in a while I have those moments where I look smart, and I love those. Okay, but at the same time, I can be somebody who looks brilliant when it comes to these things. Yet I'm missing the boat on these very passages that I know. And the simplest person in this room. If they will practice these things, you can have a deeper understanding of the scriptures, a more profitable understanding of the scriptures than the, than the smartest person that's out there with the highest IQ. And that's the amazing thing about this Bible. Did you know that nobody is at an advantage over you when you stop and think about that? You know, whenever you hear some theologian, if you, if you listen to a theologian or a preacher and you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish... I had that ability. You know, you pro he probably sent the wrong message, didn't he? Because you, you know what message he sent? I'm really smart, and you can't be like me. But you know, a good teacher, okay, one who's preaching the way he's supposed to, that's teaching what God wants him to teach, you know what he's going to do? He's going to present that scripture in a way where you're just going to be like, you know what, maybe I ought to read my Bible and I'll learn a few things. Maybe I ought to read my Bible and I'll unlock some secrets. If he can do it, anybody can do it. That's who God has chosen to use. God hasn't chosen the wise of this world. God, God's chosen the foolish. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's that simple. And so, every once in a while when you're hearing people talk about Pharisees, calling people Pharisees, we need to think about the scribes, too. And I think we got a lot of those people, a whole lot of Bible knowledge, but no of the actual spiritual meaning of these things and all that knowledge and still a sorry Christian that's too bad that shouldn't be the way we are so with that let's pray dear Lord we thank you so much for your word dear God I pray to help us take these things to heart help us to uh, practice all these things when it comes to our study of the scriptures we won't study these things just to be lifted up with pride but Lord we will uh, strive to uh, learn the things that you want us to learn that will help us be better Christians help us not to be a modern-day scribe to help us to uh, just have, have a heart of faith and have that childlike obedience to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's